You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 144. What's going on? I'm Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm all, all over the place, man. Like it, It's insane. It's, it's nice and hot here. And I'm not going to complain about the weather. It's just my basement for some reason did not get the memo. <laughs> and I get that basements are always colder than everywhere else. But my basement is I'm wearing a, a layered hoodie. It's got like a, a fleece layer on the inside. And I, I'm just comfortable finally for the first time all day. I've been freezing my nuts off. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I get like you said, I guess your uh, basement didn't get the memo there. It's, no, it's like 25 degrees outside. I, I went up to, to see my kids at lunchtime and then after uh, when I usually go up at four o'clock to like hang out with the family a bit. And man, I took I took I had pants, a T-shirt, a dress shirt, a sweater, and I was freezing. My fingers were purple. I had to like immediately strip down into shorts because I was then sweating. I was my hands were still cold, but I was sweating. It was insane. Insane. Wow. OK. Wow. That's different. Wild times in Canada, man. What's going on with you? <laughs> uh, not too much. Today was my first day of uh, my air quote vacation. Uh, I'm getting a nice 12-day break that I didn't ask for, but I'm still getting paid for. Uh, that's, all, <laughs> that's all I'll really say, but I was just kind of... I'm sorry. Yeah, just uh, kind of hanging out uh, today. Play with the dog. And uh, yeah, overall, pretty good first day. Good times. Good. Are you getting some sun in you? Getting yeah. some vitamin D? So I've been uh, going for some bike rides that about five miles today. Not anything nice. crazy, but it's just more leisure and like trying to get back into shape a little bit. Yeah, like I realized the same thing. I sat down at the dinner table the other day and I was like, oh, there's a roll going on here. I've never had that. Again, I weighed 120 pounds in high school. Like there's a roll going on here. No, 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 no. I'm not letting this happen. This is not happening. I'm only 36 years old, soon to be. This is not going to happen. Yeah, so just trying to get back into a little bit better shape, that's all. Good on you. Good on you. Good quarantine goals, my friend. Absolutely. So we are going to give you the addition for episode 144 later. As we've been doing, Mitch is going to give me a nice little quiz, ask me some questions on uh, somebody that we uh, don't know just yet. But uh, before we do that and everything else, ready to just jump right into this thing, Mitch? No. Wait, 144? Are we sure we're not 143? I thought 143 was last week. Oh, damn it. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> damn it. I picked someone who played 43 games. I'm pretty sure episode 143 was last week. You're I'm probably right, because this sounds very on brand for me. Very on brand to be off by just one. Just one. <laughs> for no reason. Like I looked and I was like, I didn't pick either of those two players. We should be okay. Whatever. 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 We'll just roll with it and it's fine. Okay. We'll just jump to 45 next time. Completely fine. It's good. Yes. So what we wanted to do first is get into a little bit of Dynasty talk, and specifically the 83 Islanders, because the anniversary of them winning that Stanley Cup just recently passed. And 
a big topic of discussion on social media has been dynasties. One, because of the Michael Jordan documentary and everyone's talking about one Jordan and his dynasty. And then also just because there's no sports on at all. So it's like, what the hell else are we going to talk about? And it's like, oh, the greatest teams of all time. And the, this team gets pulled and this team gets pulled. But the Islanders and specifically, you know, the 1983 Islanders because they were, you know, the last team to win four championships in a row is a team that gets overlooked a lot in our eyes, right, Mitch? Yes, all the time. For look, It's the New York Islanders, so immediately anything that happens to them, overlooked. You go to someone who may be new to hockey or is even into hockey and has been watching it for a while, and you say, hey, you know those New York Islanders there? Yeah, they won four Stanley Cups in a row, bud. And they would go, what? What are you talking about? That doesn't, no, 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 are not, you sure? no, no not, not them. That can't happen. And you're like, look it up. It happened. It was a thing. The Islanders owned the NHL for like five years straight, if not more than that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, going back into the mid to late 70s, the Islanders were good. And, you know, right away they they had that success. And we know it kind of cooled off in the, you know, towards the mid 90s. But they specifically <laughs> kind of cooled off. Kind of, I, that's probably putting it lightly. Um, but specifically during that five year run of 19 straight playoff series, there's no way that gets broken, right? 19 in a row in any sport. I can't see. I don't see how it's possible, Mitch. I really don't. I, I really don't see how that's possible. Like, how many rounds do they play in football? Three, isn't it? Uh, if you get a bye, it's three, I guess. If you I get guess. a bye, it's three, yeah. So you're And if you're not getting a bye, if you're having to play that, that first round or like that player round, uh, you're probably not making it. Like, How many teams make it to the Super Bowl from there? It's it's rare. It's a lot easier getting that by. More often than not, it's a one or a two seed because you know the home field advantage makes a big difference. Home field advantage, better matchups, so on and so forth. Like it's it's just really, really impossible to do. And, and, and even if this, even if it does, there has even if a, a, a team a football team goes nineteen straight playoff wins, um, that's just wins, right? Like. The Islanders have not only like 19 series wins, but they have how many wins within that, right? Because it's a seven-game series for most of those. Right. It's a one-game playoff for football. Uh, yes, some of the series uh, in, in the early 80s were like three-game play-ins, right, in, uh, in the qualification rounds. Uh, but they still have to play them, and that's three. That's a best of three or best of five sometimes. Right, and I feel like that's that makes it even harder because yet like a team could win on any given Sunday, like that's the thing. But usually, you know, the good teams are winning, and you know, all the games, like you said, that you have to play. How many games did they play over those nineteen series? That's a ton of games, and the year after year, that takes a toll on teams. And they just went out and kept winning. They were that good, and you're playing every other night, right? Like. You're on on Monday, you're off on Tuesday, you're back on on Wednesday, so on and so forth. And that if that sucker goes to double overtimes or whatever, right. just throw that into the mix too, buddy. Like it, it just it just grinds and grinds and grinds. Whereas other sports is not the same. Yes, when it comes to like best of seven series in most of these in most of these sports like baseball, um, yes, there's a grind there for sure. And they have a 162 game season, which is long enough. Uh, but when it comes to hockey, it's totally different. Yeah, I think the next closest is probably baseball because they play that 162 games in the seven-game series. It, it's grueling, but not in the same way because it doesn't have that physicality that hockey does. I feel like it takes such more of a toll on the body where in the NBA, it's not as physical of a sport, and you kind of can go into the year and be like, okay, we know what the finals is going to look like. For instance, when it was Golden State versus Cleveland for like six years in a row, or what it felt like <laughs> it anyway. Yeah, like in baseball, you're not playing a team of Chase Utley's every night, right? And it's not to say that like hockey players are dirty. It's just hockey players are physical. And the last time I heard, Chase Utley was a pretty physical player, right? There's the Chase Utley rule for a reason. Yes, um, against my Mets game two of the NLDS in twenty. Right, like every night, everyone's trying to do that to you. 20 guys on the ice, every time they hop on the board, they're thinking, I got to destroy the hell out of you. And, I, and it's going to be a, a war of attrition. I'm going to keep banging away, banging away until finally you you break. Uh, that's not the same thing in baseball. It, it's 
it's a little bit more physical in, in basketball, I would say. But um, when guys go down because their sneaker lace has been untied, like, you know, it's not the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, basketball, there's kind of the, the flops are mixed in and stuff like that. And I think it gets a worse rap than it maybe deserves. But yeah. when you compare the four major sports, I've said this for a long time. I think the Stanley Cup playoffs is the most difficult like trying to win a Stanley Cup. And we were talking on the Patreon. I'll plug it, by the way, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. We did a full length, like 30 minutes on this topic specifically. And we were talking about how difficult it is to just repeat, win back to back, like when the Penguins did that in 1617. Like, yeah, they deserve a ton of credit. Like, that's that's awesome. But that's I wouldn't even consider that a dynasty. Three in a row is definitely dynasty. But you have to do that back to back and then double it. So yeah. how is that? How is it going to happen again? And especially in a league that has a salary cap, it's not like and free agency. It's not like you know back in the day when those things weren't as a part of the game. Like, sorry, I, I'm just I'm getting distracted here. I'm seeing a, a tweet from NBC, and it says on this day, and this was from yesterday. On this day in 1984, the Edmonton Oilers captured their first all-caps Stanley Cup, and a dynasty was born. Is the Edmonton Oilers dynasty the best in hockey history? Exclamation question mark. And then they have four options. The 79 to 84 Islanders, the 70 to 79 Canadians, although they forgot the 56 to 60 Canadians, I guess for some stupid reason. Uh, The 83 to 90 Oilers or another. No, it's the Islanders. Sure, you could maybe say the Canadians because they also won four in four years, but like they also won five in five years. Like, why are the Oilers being brought up? Because just like you said, they not they did not win four in a row. They won two, break two, and then break and then one. Like it's just not the same. It's not the same at all. No, it's not. It's impre- It's beyond impressive. That it's incredible actually, but it's not the same. Going to. Five cups in a row. Going to five in a row? That I can't even wrap my brain around that. Can you imagine half a decade of one team in the Stanley Cup? <laughs> that's wild, right? Like That's where expectations come from. I, I could only imagine what the expectations was on this team in 1986, right? The 1986 playoffs or whatever, where, where they're all like broken, right? They're, just I could only imagine the wear and tear on their bodies. Yeah. Right? Like you're going to, again, like, your season starts in October, you play 82 games, and then you add how many other games on top of that? Yeah, you're playing afterwards the late May. four or five times in a row. Oh my God. Yeah, that's got to be, you know, what, 115 games every year for four straight years? Yeah. Of like, and, and we're talking early 80s hockey. We're not talking about today hockey where you can't touch a guy with your stick without getting a two minute minor. This is you touch a guy with your stick. All right, well, where are the next 10 swats? Like, it's just, it's lacrosse, buddy. It is lacrosse. It is cross checks. It is gritty. It is rough. It is violent. And they, they went to the Stanley Cup finals five years in a row. That's insane. No, it is. And to me, when all those questions comes up about the best dynasty, and yeah, we're probably a little biased because we're Islanders fans, but... I don't think the there's another answer you can say besides the New York Islanders because of winning four cups in a row, the 19 playoff series, going to a fifth one. Yeah, they lost in five games. I understand that, but it's I I we're, I don't really have any more words other than just it's a feat that's not going to happen ever again. I could confidently say that's never going to happen again. No, it's not. And then you start adding in other layers, right? Like they had 17 players through all four teams. 17 players returning on all four teams. I, I, I have them listed out here, but I don't need to read them off. But like, you already know who's in that. Right. That's insane in any era to have 17 players come back at least four years in a row and win a championship. That That's a team, right? Like a, a, an active roster is 23 players. A game day roster is 20. You're talking about like 90%, 95% of the team there. Yeah, it's literally the same team year after year after year, and it kept working. Yeah, it just it just kept working until it did it. Then you're like, well, whatever. We got four, so like, well, you know that that's the price you pay, I guess. 
I, I think I'd be, I'd be willing to pay that price for four Stanley Cups yeah, in, in a row. Absolutely. Why the hell not? Yeah. So, it's uh, just it's just wild, and then to include some of those other teams like the like the Oilers, which I, I'm going to bring up later because I want to bring something up to the social segment for this specifically. But it's just come on, like the Oilers were good, they were great. Just dynasty, just relax. It just we're throwing around the term dynasty too too easily nowadays. Like, oh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins a dynasty because they won two. Not to take anything away, that's ridiculously impressive, but it's still not four. And yes, if you want to toss in the variable of like, oh well, you know they don't. We have a cap now. Okay, well, cool. Uh, guys over in the 80s are bludgeoning themselves with sticks in the face. We don't have that now, do we? Like, it's not the same game. Yes, that's true. It's not the same game now, but it was not the same game then. Like, put Sidney Crosby on the ice with the, the, those guys. Yeah, he could probably outskate them, but he'd have a few teeth missing, and he probably wouldn't play the same way. Yeah, I think it'd be very difficult for him to have that same level of success. Like, they're, they're bigger, they're stronger, and they're faster. Um, but they're certainly not tougher, uh, and I would not, I would not like to see him play I, 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 back in the eighties. Like, oh man, yes, they're stronger, but like, I don't know, man. Some of those guys out there were just looking to kill someone. Yeah, it's a different mindset. It's like, yes, obviously the athletes today are bigger, stronger, faster, but it's not the game isn't played the same way. Like, I don't know, I don't know if Crosby would have been as successful then as what he is now. No, exactly. So it's it's not to take anything away from the Penguins necessarily. Uh, I just not would not call them a dynasty. You win four in a row, that that's a dynasty. And not only do you win four in a row, but you go to five straight cups. Five straight five, cups. Yeah. That's insane. That, that's why. And look, they, they went to the semifinals three years in a row, two years before they won the cup. Like they're making runs in the playoffs as of 1974. Yeah, I. That it's impressive because when on all of the levels we just hit on, but the fact that they came into the league and had that success so quickly is just it just adds to the story. Yeah, and two of the teams that eliminated them in semifinals were the Montreal Canadiens, who won the Stanley Cup that year, and were the dynasties that that's what their dynasty period. Only the Montreal Canadiens stopped the New York Islanders twice in the seventies, right in seventy five, seventy six, and seventy seven. That's Damn, insane. That's mm-hmm. Just, just man. It, anyways, th- this team, it, it, it's a, it's a storied past that a lot of NHL fans don't realize. And then when you say it, you can see their minds explode. Going, wait, are you friggin' kidding me? No, that can't be true. And you're going, look, here's Wikipedia. Here's a bunch of other sources. It's true, man. It happened. Go look at the banners. Yeah, and like even as Islanders fans, I think sometimes it's just. Like yeah, we we see the banners up there. It's like oh yeah, we you know we know that it's a thing. But when you really think you know, sit down and think about it, it it just really hits home, you know. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great that we have that <laughs> because no one else does except for the Montreal Canadiens. So screw you, Edmonton. Absolutely. Anything else on dynasties or the '83 Islanders? Go back and listen to our Patreon podcast if you're not already subscribed. Definitely subscribe. There you go. So when we come back, we're gonna get into. Uh, a little other podcast talk and with uh, Howie Rose and Adrian O'Coin. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you talking New York Islanders hockey. And we have a couple of storylines that we want to combine into one topic. Howie Rose was on the No Sleep to Belmont podcast and Adrian O'Coin was on Spit and Chicklets. And we got a couple of nice storylines out of those two spots and we wanted to hit on those. So... Uh, I guess we'll start with Howie Rose, Mitch. Um, personally, I always thought that he got, not by everyone, but by a decent chunk of the Islanders fan base, I thought he received some unfair criticism because he worked for the Rangers and grew up a Rangers fan, and I think that was held against him. I don't know. Did you see that as well? Yeah, well, of course. If you anyone who wears a Rangers jersey or or has anything to do with the Rangers is immediately tainted no matter what. Uh, and and that that's kind of fair. That's part and parcel. Like, if he didn't expect that, then I don't know what to tell him. Like, buddy, like, that, that's how it works, right? That's how um, NHL tribalism works. You are uh, assigned a tribe or you assign yourself a tribe. And if you go away from that tribe into, like, the other 
rival tribes territory, there's probably going to be a little bit of a problem until you can prove otherwise. Right. And something that I didn't realize was Howie Rose always had a soft spot for the Islanders before he got the job in 95 as the play-by-play broadcaster. So he actually got his start in the industry with the Islanders because when he was in college, he covered the Islanders in their, like, it was like their second season, I think. And he would go to every game. He would record, like, play-by-play into a tape recorder with a partner, and then he would go down after the game and interview, you know, guys in the locker room. Like, he had interviews with Al Arbor. He knew Butch Goring, you know, when they when they ended up getting paired together later on in life. But he, he already knew him because he interviewed him tons and tons of times, you know, as essentially a kid. That's pretty cool, right? Like, you're, you're learning the ropes well ahead of knowing you're going to have to use this knowledge, right? Like, he was essentially interviewing or shadowing there it is shadowing for a job he didn't yet know he was going to have uh so and and that clearly served him well right like you already know and you're familiar with the environment you can immediately just become comfortable you don't have to start learning the ropes like i would imagine when brendan got the job it was a lot of like okay well who are the islanders who are this what do they do what do i need to know about the islanders uh doing a, a ton of research and maybe feeling a little uncomfortable to begin with. But if you have that, even if it's years, years and years before, you have it. You have that base knowledge and understanding of who the key players are and where and what. uh, And then you just go from there and it makes the the transition into that job a whole lot easier. No, absolutely. And, you know, one of the other things that I took note of was he said that Al specifically, but all the Islanders really made him feel like, comfortable it wasn't like oh like here comes the kid with the questions like they treated him like every other reporter and stuff like that who's been on the job for 30 plus years and he said that really helped him with his confidence and you know unfortunately a lot of times those young reporters or people looking to get into the industry are kind of you know put down or thought less of and I just thought it was really cool that the Islanders, I don't know if like took him under their wing is the right word, but they made him feel like they legitimized him as a reporter, which I think is you know important for someone looking to get into the industry. Oh, absolutely. Right. You need that legitimacy to, to know that you're not that you made it, but to well, any, any, any reporter needs uh, uh, authority. Because if you're not seen as an authority figure, then like no one's really going to give a crap about what you're saying. So. Um, which as bloggers, we get that all in the daily. What, who are you to say anything? Like, look, I'm just spewing in, like my opinions. That's all I'm doing. I'm not saying that this is fact. I'm just, this is what I feel. All right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they should be able to coexist, which is a completely different story for another day. But for, yeah. for this, it's, I don't know. I just found that interview with Arthur Staple really interesting. And I, I'm again, going to admit my bias because Howie Rose is my favorite you know, announcer of all time. But um, I just thought it was really cool to see that, yes, he did grow up a Rangers fan before the Islanders even existed. And yes, he did work for the Rangers. But the Islanders were always special to him as well. It's not like he just took this job to take the job. Like it, it obviously meant something to him. And I thought that was really cool to see. And that it gave me a little bit even more appreciation for the broadcaster that he is. Yeah, so that that's always cool to know the story behind the story, right? It's not just uh, he's the 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 voice behind the mic. This is his story to how he got to behind the mic, and and yeah. even further back as to how he. Anyways, it's 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 nice to know the backstory always. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one was the Adrian O'Coin from Spitting Chicklets, and I know that uh, you turned me on to that interview, and you had a couple of takeaways from that. Yeah, so I don't always watch Spitting Chicklets. It, it I know. I'm not a huge fan, uh, but I know I know how important they are to the hockey media and, and hockey culture. So I, I, I tune in when, when I, I, I see fit. And obviously having a New York, a former New York Islander on the podcast or on the show because it was a, a YouTube clip, uh, I, I had to watch it. And there's a bunch of stuff where he talks about like Sean Bates. He talks about uh, Mary Sierkowski. Um But the, the one that, that really stands out to me is... The story about Lou Lamorello, and it's not like his story necessarily, but it's a shared story that they all have. Um, and it's not even just specifically Lou, Lou Lamorello. It's it's really just Scotty Bowman. And then um, uh, Biz goes in and says, oh, well, Lou also does this. So the story goes is that Scotty Bowman and Lou Lamorello 
apparently hire a bellman at the traveling hotel. So if their team goes into another city uh, at the hotel that they are staying at, they will hire the bellman and say, listen, if you see our players come in past curfew, which is like midnight or something, if they come in past curfew, go up to them and have them sign this stick and say you're a big fan, whatever, and then have them sign it. And so essentially what that, what the, well, not even essentially, but what those players were doing was signing saying like, yes, I broke curfew and here's the proof <laughs> every time. And so the, the GM could then go back and go like, so I see you broke curfew because this was signed after 12 o'clock. And apparently even the bellman sometimes would write the time down. The time. that Yep, that was my favorite part of the story is like underneath like, I don't know, we use the example Sean Bates, right? And then it would be like 12.07. <laughs> yeah. And like that's just next level GMing right there. And, and like it just goes to show how clever you have to be to outsmart these players because we all we've all done it, right? Like you've oh, probably gone on, on a school road trip and like broke curfew or, or, or went past the whatever you, you you went out outside of the hotel when you weren't supposed to yeah of course i everyone does they were that's what and that's essentially what they were saying like yeah like everyone breaks curfew eventually but you know they have to out their general manager it's his job to outsmart the players which he yeah. he did in that case they have to keep him in line right like or, or try to because if you just a, a wild party time then who knows what's going to happen um, but if you keep players in line, then as we know, Lou likes to do, right? Like no facial hair, no lo- no huge numbers. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense and it jives with, with Lou's uh, management style. And so that, that was my favorite pull from that. But he, he spoke of his time with the Islanders and he said it a, a few times, right, already that he, he really liked his time with the Islanders. And when you look at his stats, you can't deny why he would like it. Like he had his most productive and consistently productive seasons with the Islanders. Uh, so yeah. I could I, I don't imagine why he wouldn't like his time here. No, he finished top ten in Norris voting two out of the three years he was here. Right, so like that that's pretty good praise. And then his talk about like some of the players, like uh, just how he talks about uh, Mary Sharkovsky, really really gay because he does the accent and everything, which is maybe a little patronizing, yeah, yeah. but I I don't care. I find it hilarious because I I do that that like Slavic accent all the time. So, you know, I do the thing. Yes, I do it like this and go into the store and do it. Anyways, I think that's hilarious. And just hearing how Mary Shikoski was just like ultimately confident person is, is I, I did. I did not know that. I didn't know that he was just like no. this wildly confident dude. No, neither did I. I, I was surprised by that. Uh, the Bates story of like him driving back to Connecticut like every weekend to hang out with like his degenerate like hometown <laughs> friends is hysterical. I love that story. Yeah, and just apparently, so what was the party? They had a party house, right? And you listening probably already also know this, but like Bates was in their renting houses, four guys apparently, and like that was the party house for the Islanders. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember who else was in the house, but it doesn't surprise me that like. Bates was that guy. I don't know. I'm just kind of ma- it makes sense. It, it fits. It fits with with the type of player he was. So it, it's just fun to see Islanders players kind of let loose after the fact. Like you, you will never, ever, ever catch a current hockey player talk this way. And like he's not like he's cursing like a sailor, anyways. But he's not gonna. You don't reveal those stories uh, nowadays. It's just not ha- unless you're Joshua saying. It's the only person who would do it. Yeah, just about. And I mean. I love hearing those stories, and I think that's what makes that show really so, you know, successful is they're able to get those kind of stories out of those guys. And, you know, it's a really fun listen. Yeah, we know those stories are 15 plus years old, but it's, you know, it kind of and they talked a lot about how, like, the game has changed. Like, for instance, like they weren't they weren't allowed to wear like jeans on the road. They had to be in like suits and stuff like that. And I just found like that really interesting like how they you know had to dress up and stuff like that and you know it kind of just went into how you know the game's changed since he played which really isn't all that long ago no and now now he's got a son who's entering the draft right so just going through that entire process is is completely different as well it's not the same as it used to be and so seeing that firsthand when your kid is going through it i can only imagine oh man i could only imagine what it's like no that's got to be really really cool and Another thing, I guess, last thing for me that they hit on that I enjoyed kind of listening to was how American hockey has kind of changed in like the developmental program. Like he was talking about sending his kid to 
Harvard, I'm pretty sure, in playing uh, NCAA hockey instead of going up to Canada. And I just kind of enjoyed like the conversation of how the game was growing here, I thought was interesting. Yeah, because like you also have to look at it through a, a personal level. Like, How many kids make the NHL? Like 0.25%, I think it is, of, of all kids registered. I think just in Canada. Those might just be Canadian stats. Um, mm-hmm. So when you think about it, like, are you going to go and play in the CHL? And, and may, maybe you turn into to a player, but you don't get necessarily the same education. You can still get an education, but you're not going to get the same one as if you went right. to Harvard. Yeah, like, that, which is insane yeah you got like the top ivy league school in the world that wants you to play hockey and you can still put up points and, and do well right like wasn't um oh what's his name uh jimmy vc from harvard didn't he win a hobie baker yes, playing for harvard yes he did so like you can still be be a pretty good player and get that degree right like just do it man why the hell not what do you have to lose a degree from harvard that's something you shouldn't pass up if you have the opportunity to do so. No, 100%. It makes a ton of sense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, both were really good interviews and good spots, and uh, I thought it was be interesting to hit on both those stories a little bit. More Islanders, for, former Islanders players. Someone please get Mary Shikoski on. I, I assume it's going to be spitting chiclets. Just get Mary Shikoski, guys, please. I need to hear his stories because it sounds like he's going to have some bangers. Absolutely. They were talking. They wanted Batesy on the show, too. They mentioned that also, a few times. Also, do it. Do it. That yes. sounds amazing. Absolutely. So the next thing we wanted to get into was do an all-time team. So we've seen a bunch of these online. So what we're going to do, head coach, GM, four lines, three deep pairings, and two goalies. We're going to go through, give you our all-time New York Islanders team. Mitch, do you want to start off with the uh, bench boss and uh, man in charge? Okay, so bench boss is going to be uh, Jack Capuano, and the man in charge is Gar Snow. Am I doing it right? No, <laughs> no we had Milbury written down. Oh, no, what? Uh, no, Al Arbor behind the bench, because who else are you putting there? You can maybe say Barry Trotz, but the four Stanley Cup banners up in the roof say otherwise, and, and the yeah. retired 1,500 games. Um, yep. And then the man making the calls is Bill Torrey. Uh, you, you can't yeah. say otherwise. It's not, it's not even close. No, this was the easiest choice of them all. And uh, it, it had to be Arbor, like you said, the, the four cups and all of the accomplishments there. And Tori, because he was the architect of it all. Like, that's that's the only logical answer. Yeah, the, the, there is no one. You can't even argue like Lou, Lou Lamorello. No, it's not even. He has two years, not even one and a half or one and three quarters, if you will. It's It's not. And like there's no cups there. So let's chill. Top line, we're going to go Gillies, Trottier, Bossy, and Mitch, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That four Stanley Cups, all of them are in the Hockey Hall of Fame because they played together. Um, there's just no reason. Like You can argue to put Tonelli up there, right, or, or someone else because they put up more points than Clark Gillies. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but at a certain point, you have to uh, give it to chemistry, and they had, they had it, right? It just worked. And, and we're not going like, oh, if they played in today's era. No, no, we're not doing like era adjusted. No, it's just no. what is the best possible lineup of, of all time, all Islanders from 1972 to today, who would you put? And clearly the top line has to be that. There's no question. So what do you have for the second line then? John Tonelli, Pierre Turgeon, Ziggy Palfi. That line would be really, really fun. I'm all in on that line. It, it would be a lot of fun. And like, I, I think I've, I've done one of these before, uh, and this is a little different, but like I, I'm taking people's feedback here because they did not like that I put Tavares there, and, and that, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Change, my, change it around. Pierre Turgeon. There you go. All right, so line three, we're going to go King, LaFontaine, and Nystrom. Yeah, that and like so what we have to do here is we all have to be cognizant of the roles that these lines play. Right, like we're not going to be putting our best players on the fourth line because it still has to be like a checking line. Like we're trying to use as many of the same variables that TSN did. So if you're not aware, TSN.ca did a uh, all-time seven. Uh, so they did the all-time teams for all seven uh, Canadian franchises, and we're trying to follow some of the same uh, guidelines they have. Not all of them because they 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 went a little too deep into like the weeds of who they would add and whatnot. It was kind of ridiculous, but. Mm-hmm. The one that I like is they have to play the role. They have to play the position. 
Uh, and so, like, King LaFontaine Nystrom would still be a good dynamic scoring line, but you still got guys like King and Nystrom who are good at both ends of the ice. Correct. Which no, I, think I, that, I prefer that. Yeah, that definitely fits as a third line. And how about line four? What do we got? Lee, Goring, Okposo. Right. I mean, Goring is, for in this kind of role, like the perfect fourth liner, someone who's going to be offensive but also extremely good in the defensive zone. Oposo and Lee are both guys who, yeah, they put up production, but they also could be really physical too, big body guys. So I think that you know makes sense as well. Yeah. Sorry, it sounds like cars are racing outside my house. Just all those like huge mufflers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a, there's a really long road next to the parkway is really long, so cars like to race there. Okay. Uh, and now that it's getting warm out, all the Google gets news are coming out. Um, those are cars with souped ups and the lights on the bottom, all this ridiculous stuff. Sounds good. Anyway, sounds fun. Um, yeah, so Lee Okposo, uh, not only are they strong defensively, but they bang uh, and they put up points, right? Like, we're talking about big body players here. Uh, and, and again, they do put up points. Like, Okposo's, I think, the third, or no, maybe not third, but like fifth highest scoring right wing player on the team, like in team history. Don't, don't quote me on that, but I, I believe that that's, it's close to that. Yeah, and I mean, like when we're trying to pick out roles, like you said, those guys could theoretically play the a more defensive style role. Yeah, so like that that makes a lot of sense. It fits. You you can maybe uh, put in like Anders Caller there, uh, yeah, and sure. and that that's fine with me as well. Um, but these are the ones that we went with. Uh, and if you have something different, let us know. Uh, but what about defense? What's our first pair here? Uh, we're gonna have a Potvin brothers pair. So Denny and John Potvin is the top pair. Yeah, buddy. Uh, we tried to keep it left-right as well, right? Like, we didn't want to do, like, just a bunch of lefties because uh, there's a lot of, like, high-scoring lefties for the Islanders, like Potfame, Person, Johnson, Johnson, Potfame. But, like, Potfame was the highest-scoring right-shot defenseman to ever play for the Islanders with 213 points in 402 games. Yeah, so I think it's fair to give him the nod and might as well play with your brother. And that, that they did that, right? Like, they did play together, and they, they found some success. Um, Kyle Oposo was the sixth highest scoring right-wing player uh, or yeah, in Islanders history. So I was pretty darn close. Yeah, pretty close. So I just I thought Palfi was ahead of him, even then it's not. It's, anyways, they got Bailey listed as a right-wing. So um, either way, anyways. Uh, next uh, line, uh, next pair would be uh, Person. So Stefan Person and Travis Hamannick. Yeah, that makes sense. Both guys kind of, I don't know if forgotten is the right word, but maybe like they're they're not as flashy as some of the other bigger name guys in both of the eras or teams that they were on, but both really solid players for the Islanders in their day. Yeah, and again, Stefan Person, second highest scoring defenseman in Islanders history. Uh, just, you know, it's a, it's a cavernous difference between number one and number two from 1,052 points to 369 <laughs> That's a gigantic drop off. <laughs> Almost seven hundred point difference. Woo! Anyways, third pair: Kenny Johnson, Johnny Boychuk. I thought you said Tommy Johnson. Sorry, yes, Tommy Johnson. I still had the K. I didn't. I didn't put the T. Thank you. Thank you. Tommy you Johnson, three hundred thirty-three points in five hundred thirty-two games. Um, but he's a lefty, so we still went. Or, sorry, never mind. I forgot Boychuk was there. I can't believe I'm doing this on air when I forget that a red Boychuk was a righty. Unbelievable. We went through this with the patron yesterday. Yesterday on the patron like live stream GM mode, I, I don't remember who shoots what side. I have to have it literally in front of me or else I forget. I don't know why. I can remember a bunch of other stuff. I can't remember what side they shoot on. Yeah, that that is definitely not one of your uh, strong suits. You do have you have many strong suits. Remembering left or right is usually not one of them, though. <laughs> which would be a problem, right? Like, oh, which one? I still have to do like, like, the left and right to remember. <laughs> oh, left is over up. this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so goalies, I think this is an easy one, too. We're going to go Billy Smith and Chico Resch. How can you argue otherwise? Like, You can say that uh, Halak had better stats, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe he put up more wins, but like Chico Resch was nuts. Right, like he not not like mentally. We know that that was Billy Smith. Like, oh, it's course. not that he was nuts, but like the man, the man threw his lumber around a little bit too much. Um, Probably, yeah. But Chico Resch, man, like, what, what did he finish in his rookie years? Like, uh, it was good numbers even for today, which is like a insane when you think it was like seventy five. 
I think it was a 924 and a 208, something like that. L- let me look it up here. Uh, Chico Resch stats. It, it, was, it was nuts, it, it, like good for today. So rookie season, 928 save percentage, a 208 goals against average in 1975-76. In 44 games played, had a 23-11-8 record. That's, that's insane. Amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. And he still finished second in the Calder. To his teammate, though. Yes, of course, to, to uh, <laughs> Brian Trottier, who had, like, what, 90-some-odd points or whatever? Was, I think it was 95. Yeah, like, just just wild. And, like, he just kept going, 917, 228. Like, he, uh, one season for the Islanders, well, two, I guess, before he got traded, was he over 300. Or, I said, sorry, three goals against. In the 70s. Yeah, no, he he was unbelievable. He was very very good. They were lucky. They had they went from Chico to Billy Smith, which I mean, phenomenal one two punch. Yeah, absolutely. You you can't argue otherwise. Yeah. So let us know on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter, or uh, just make sure to let us know what your uh, all time lineup would be. But that's ours. Uh, so with that, Mitch, shall we get into the quiz? Let's do it. So we were going to go with 44 games played, but I made a mistake. So I'm going with the 43 games played for the New York Islanders. So Matt, are you ready? You already know this. This player played for the Islanders and he played 43 games. Okay. Yes. So the the deal is, just in case you haven't heard this before, I will list off five questions for Matt and they get progressively easier. And he has to guess the player. Simple enough. Question one, or I guess clue number one. I'm 34 years old and was born in Guelph, Ontario. Next. Yeah. I was never drafted and made my start in the NHL during the 2009-2010 season, playing two games for the Islanders. Next. That year, I put up 196 penalty minutes in the AHL for the Sound Tigers. I have a total of 151 penalty minutes in 43 games with the Islanders. Next. I'm still in the NHL. I'm not with the Islanders. I currently still play New York. I just wear a blue jersey as I play for the New York Rangers. I don't know if the next one is going to be a whole lot easier. I'm still trying to make it a little hard because I thought you'd get them by now. Yeah. This is is really bugging me that I can't think of this. What's the next one? The last one. I fought Ross Johnston at 2.13 of the first period in his 6-2 win over the Islanders this season. So you remember that game we lost 6-2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The first fight. Yeah, oh my god. And he is uh, much, maybe not much shorter, but he's considerably shorter than than Ross Johnston is. This guy's 5'11", whereas Johnston's, what, 6'4"? Yeah. uh, Do you want to list some of the teams he's played for? He's played, he's a defender, right? He is not. He's a center. I don't know who I'm thinking of then. So right, he's played it. for the Islanders. He okay. went to the Rangers in 12-13. He played for San Jose, Florida, and then he went back to the Rangers in 1920. He had 212 penalty minutes in 17-18 wow. for the Florida Panthers. Dude, I don't know. Last name is Haley. Uh, what's the first name? Michael Haley. Michael Haley? Michael Haley. It's all right. Like we had a lot of guys I, like that, right? Trevor Gillies, Matt Martin. Yeah, Gilly. Like, I knew Gillies kept coming to mind. I'm like, I know it's not him. No, but so that's good, right? Like you were able to narrow it down to at least not someone. Yeah, you knew who it wasn't. I was thinking of um, that uh, the defender that was there forever for the Rangers who would fight. I think his last name started with an M. I was there forever. That fought a lot for the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I've, dude, I've, Rangers rosters are not something that I remember very well because uh, I don't care about them. Yeah. Uh, aside from not liking them at all. Bad, bad showing by me. Hand up. That was bad. That's <laughs> fine. He hasn't played for the Islanders since 11 12. Michael Haley. Okay. So it's, it's, it's been a while. All right. So, after we, we're going to forget that atrocity, and uh, when we come back... <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> we're going to get into the social segment What's Trending on Isles Twitter. 
Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you. Mitch, what do you got for us for social this week? Okay, so I'm, I'm bringing this back to the Dynasty thing. This is from Anthony Was Here, Awesome Shite YT. I believe that's our man on Patreon. Oh, there we go. And it says, just seeing NBCSN trying to suggest the Oilers as best dynasty made me make this. And it's that meme of like the Olympian who gets a medal, it bites it, like grabs the, the, the poor woman, and then flips off everyone. Yeah, and then yeah. he's, he's in like third place. And it was the, for him in this meme, it's the um, Oilers saying having Gretzky in third place, the Montreal Canadiens in second with most cups, and the Islanders with 19 straight playoff wins. Uh, playoff series wins and that that is accurate that is accurate like, oh they had Gretzky so we have to remember them no no they're the the Islanders the Islanders and the Montreal Canadiens they won nine cups in like 20 years or something like that yeah that that's insane um the, I did see that meme that was very good you should definitely go and check that one out so again at awesome shite YT I just like saying that so my first one is from Sportsnet. It's saying the NHL and NHLPA are working on a 2014 conference-based playoff setup multiple sources have indicated. And in this scenario, the Islanders would take on the Florida Panthers in round one. And if they were to win, would face Tampa Bay, who's the two seed. Confidence level against either of those teams. High against the uh, Florida Panthers low against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, man, which is ironic because that's exactly how the 2016 playoffs went. In the first round, you played against the Florida Panthers and then went on to uh, Tampa Bay. Um, And I I think the Islanders would have a pretty good shot against the Panthers. Tampa, I don't know, man. They feel like a juggernaut this year. Just look at their team. It's stacked. And then now they're they're rested. I, I want no part of the Tampa Bay Lightning until the very end. Uh, so they would play Florida, eh? Yeah. That's weird. So they would move to the Atlantic, I guess? Uh, apparently, that's what Arthur Staple was saying. That's wild, man. I, it's all over the place, these things. It changes daily, right? So I had them sticking in the Metro and then playing the um, Pittsburgh Penguins, but who knows? Lord knows. Lord knows. Um my next one is from Everything Hockey, so at, uh, at EH Clothing. That's weird. Uh, discussion. Who is your favorite NHL player that was drafted in the first round of the 1990 NHL draft? And I just bring that up because at number five was Yarmer Yager. Right. Ooh. And this, sorry, this is the first round, all draft picks. Fifth overall, Yarmer Yager to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sixth overall, Scott Sissons to the New York Islanders. Scott Sissons barely played in the NHL. I, I don't even know if. Didn't he play like 10 games or something like that? Definitely not as many as Jarmir Yager. No. Uh, He played two. Sorry, two. Two NHL games. But it it gets better, right? At number seven, Daryl Sador, who played 1,291 NHL games, won two cups. That's pretty impressive. That's good. Number eight, Darian Hatcher. That's a pretty damn good player right there. Uh, Trevor Kidd at 11. That's an okay player. Brad Bay, 14. Uh, Carl Dykhouse at number 16, not an amazing player, but pretty damn good. Keith Tuchuk, 19th overall. Martin Bradar, 20th overall. And Brian Smolinski, who we would later get, uh, and it was okay for us, 21st overall. Like, th- there are some players on this list that we could have gotten. Yes, it may have been a reach to get Martin Bradar, but we would have had him. And imagine that. Or Keith Tuchuk, imagine that. Yeah, I, I think things would have went a little differently for the Islanders. Just that, that was big swing and a miss. It went from Yager to Sissons, two guys who played well over a thousand games. Sorry, Yager to Sador, sandwiched between Scott Sissons, who played two. Wow. That, that's, a, that's a big miss, having your sixth <laughs> overall pick play two games. Yeah, that's bad. That is bad. So I just wanted to bring that up to make us feel worse, I guess. Good job by me. This next one is um, a Players Tribune article from Akeem. How do you say his last name? Alou? Alou, I guess. Alou? Yeah. I don't know. I always say Alou. So he played in the Flames system and a few games in the NHL with the Flames. And he goes, it's really, really long, but it is worth a read as he goes through and talks about the hardships that he faced, you know, and going up and you know hockey culture and race and stuff like that it's a it's a tough read but i think it's important so i wanted to uh get that out there as well 
Yeah, I, I, I never faced the trials and tribulations that, that he went through, clearly. Right. Um, but hockey isn't necessarily for everyone. Uh, there are problems everywhere. Like, just just to look at like Mike Bossy, just to make it simple, right? Just just the most simple thing. They didn't want to draft him. And the, I mean, not the Islanders, but most teams didn't want to draft him because the guy didn't want to fight. And that that's the thing that goes still to this day. Like when I went through high school, I didn't like playing hockey because everyone just wanted to fight. You'd go to school that day and it was, I'm going to fight you. That's all I care about is playing hockey. And I was like, I don't want to fight anyone. I just want to play hockey. Again, yeah. not to marginalize what Akeem Aliu went through, and it's not the same. It is not one for one what I went through and what he went through at all, not even close. But it it, it is a a tough sport to break in if you're not within like the um, uh, the zeitgeist, if, that, if that's the word I want to use. If you're not already meshed and ingrained into that like singular culture of seemingly male chauvinism, it, it's very it's very strange, and it's a very I worry for my my son uh, like he he likes to wear dresses and we don't have a problem with that. We don't care. It's just clothes. It doesn't matter. Um, but I worry for him going forward because I know what guys around here are like and I know what the hockey culture is like, which is a predominant culture here that that does not go over well. And so I, I'm super worried and I and I hate it. I hate that I'm worried because of this chauvinist culture that would not likely accept my son wearing a dress for no better reason than just, he just likes it. It's just insane. No, it, that's, a, that's completely rational to feel that way because unfortunately, you know, that you hit it on the head that that's what the culture is. And I think that's what Akeem was trying to say. We got to change that. And uh, it, it's important. And the least we could do is at least hear this guy out and hear what he has to say. And then from there, you know, make the necessary changes. Absolutely. Like, changes definitely need to be made. Uh, and, it, like, he points out some very, very disturbing uh, stories that, like, I can only, like, my heart broke when he started, uh, like, listing those off and, like, just coming from a different country. And, oh, man, that sounds awful, man. I just, changes need to happen. And, yes, like, that happened years ago. But it's it, you can guarantee it's still happening today. Maybe not as much, but it is still definitely happening. No, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I it was like I said, it was a tough read, but I think it's something that everyone should you know check out for sure. Yeah, just reading it, it, it is is worth worth the battle. It's like half the battle type of thing, right? Like just knowing and acknowledging that that's a thing would, would definitely change perspectives right away. Absolutely. Uh, my last one here is from Eric Hornick. I think we all know who he is. Uh, things you forget. At Strombone 1, so Roberto Longo, then a goalie for the New York Islanders, actually gave up a goal through the net that was not corrected by video review. And he has the video there. So if you go to his Twitter, at E. Hronick, or Hornick, sorry. Hronick, I don't know why I said it that way. Uh, and you can see the puck flying in over his glove hand and right through. Right, and then bounces out. It's wild. Oh it looks like it hits the post, but when you look at it, you know, in slow mo, you're like, "Oh man, that does not." It goes into the net, and I guess it hits the twine in such a way where it bounces right out, almost like it hit metal, but it didn't. But it did. just like the laws of physics, just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. Yeah, just nothing makes sense at all. No, exactly. This is Bethesda Studio kind of programming right there. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, I'm going to check out that video too, by the way. Uh, last one for me is, uh, you probably saw it, but it, it went a little, it got a little heated online over the weekend. So I found the worst trade proposal in the history of trade proposals <laughs> okay. and we shared it and uh, it went a little bit, uh, I don't know if viral is the right word, but it definitely caused a stir. Um, and just a quick rehash First round pick and Jesperi called Kinyemi for Matt Barzal and Devontae's. That was the trade offer. Okay. Just, we've already gone through it, but like, yeah, that's not, it's not. And I seen like some Habs fans that say like, well, in two years, like that's going to be a great for, for the Islanders. You're like, great, but like, we're not making this trade for two years from now. We're in, in, a, in a win now mode while we give off our, our best player for peanuts. It right. doesn't make sense. No, it, it doesn't make sense, and uh, yeah, that 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 was just it was a bizarre couple of days, 
headed by that trade proposal. Um, very strange. Just very, very bizarre. So the thing is with trade proposals, they're always very subjective. But like, I think objectively, everyone can look at that and say, like, that is not worth it. You got a kid who could very well be something big at the NHL. Maybe not big, but good. Um, but right now, he's not even in the NHL. Uh, like for a rebuilding team, like I don't know, Detroit, moving Dylan Larkin because he's maybe not happy going through another couple of tanking years. Okay, cool, you got something there. I, I think you definitely have something there. Um, but for the Islanders, maybe second best defenseman, offensive defenseman at least, maybe even best offensive defenseman, and their best player for an AHL prospect and what could be a very good pick, right? Eighth overall could be a very good pick it's just it's just not worth it it's just not in, no. in any way shape or form and it's not like he's a ufa or anything barzell is there these two are both rfa players why would we give those up it doesn't make sense unless you're giving us like for like but you don't have like for like so sorry no it, it that that trade proposal put me in a pretzel i'm still not quite over it it's it's wild but that's the thing right online like this trade proposal everywhere and they're, they're subjective i'm sure if someone said Eight years, seven years ago or whatever it was, Adam Larson for Taylor Hall straight up. I'm sure someone somewhere or even in some parallel universe suggested it online and got laughed at, but it still happened. So, like, things could still happen. I This one makes no sense because it's just any anyone with a rational mind would see, like, that's not going to happen. Peter Shirelli is no longer in the league. <laughs> Thank God, by the way. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> I want him on another team because yeah, well, uh, I, I could use some star players for uh, nothing. That would be really nice. That would be yeah. really nice. So with that, let's just get a couple of plugs in before we go. Wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. It really helps us out. <laughs> Mitch, did you see uh, Joe Rogan's deal with Spotify, by the way? No, I, I know that there's a deal, but what is the deal? He's exclusively on Spotify now? I, I don't get it. You know, want to guess how much they're paying him a year? I can only imagine it's in the millions. $100 million per year. Per year? <laughs> per What? Oh, my God. All he does is sit and smoke weed and like, hey, man, what if aliens came and did like, oh, I, I could do that. I, I don't, clearly, and I don't I don't have the connection. So obviously I couldn't get like, I don't know, uh, what's his name? Elon, um, Elon what's Musk. What's his last? Musk. It was Musk. I don't know why I didn't think that was the last name. I, maybe I, I couldn't get him on the pod and, and start like smoking a reefer and putting up crazy <laughs> ideas. But like, man, man, that's as was, crazy. As I was doing the plugs, it made me think of it. He got 190 million downloads a month. A month? A month. It's insane. It's really oh insane. God. Sorry. Please, man. please rate and review. I would like that at least 10. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like 5% of that would be great. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I ju we just had to nerd out over podcast talk for a second. Sorry. But there you go. Uh, so that stuff's important, by the way. Subscribe, rate, review, all that. Um, you could also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and why Mitch is at TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app available for iPhone or Android. You can visit the website, eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. And if you're interested, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Five bucks a month gets you a ton of additional content. Mitch does two live streams a week. We do a mailbag podcast, which we're about to record right now, and a bunch of other stuff. We deep dive into topics and a lot of fun. Good community over there, right, Mitch? It's a great community. Um, man, we had a good time on the, on the stream yesterday, and we even had one of the patrons who will remain nameless right now because I chirped him pretty good. Um, just full of love for the community. Just a bunch of friends. Like they are probably my closest friends, and I have actual friends in, uh, in like here that I, I speak to less than I than I speak to the patrons. It's wild. There you go. So that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.